0: Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio Broadcast. I'm so glad that you've decided to join us. My name is Jonathan, and I'm here with my good buddy, Stephen Cervantes. So how's hey, it going today? great
1: to be here. Thank you. Yeah,
0: I have loved it ever since, I don't know, it was probably earlier, earlier this year, that you've you've decided to just wear these awesome like crisp white <laughs> shirts i don't know i don't know if you were just trying to uh kind of do like steve jobs did where he's got this the same outfit like, hey, gonna... in a red
1: tie this is my <laughs> webinar look okay good. so maybe the podcasters don't know that they, think they only own one tie but <laughs> well, we do the the podcast and then we do the webinar so i'm dressed yeah. for the webinar you look great so okay thank but you
0: I, I probably should you know step no, it up no, you know? no, that's so,
1: all right i just think I might look smarter if I clean up, That's you funny. know what I mean?
0: Well, listeners, this week we're actually going to be uh, talking about some some comments we've received uh, over the years from mm. our, our guys that have gone to the Gateway to Freedom workshop. And before we get into that, because, cause, man, we, I'm just so amazed at how how guys are, are free to share with us their stories and things and then even allow us, you know, without revealing any names or identities or anything, but allow us to then use some of those Um, some of their journey to be able to bless you on the program. But I want to let you know about the Gateway to Freedom workshop, because we've been doing this for 11 years, since 2008, and we've seen hundreds of men come through this workshop and just seen God transform lives in some profound ways, even in some cases literally saving men's lives from suicide and things like that. Um, We've seen men come to Christ uh, who who, who realized while they were there, I don't actually have a relationship with Jesus, even though they've been in the church for years. Mm -hmm. But anyway, we've just seen guys at a very deep level experience the transformative power of God at these workshops. And so if you'd like to learn more Mm -hmm. about the workshop and the ones that are coming up and how you can get involved, go to gatewaymen.com. Uh, space is limited at these workshops, so so register early if you're planning to come.
1: You know, I never heard a man say, well, this was really a bad experience. Right, yeah, this was a bad idea. Everybody yeah. gets something out of these workshops. It's just men helping and encouraging one another. They're very powerful. So what I wanted to do was have a dialogue because – when you go back home, even after a great weekend, you still have struggles and battles. And so I wanted just to sort of have a smorgasbord of the battle so that if you're out there, you can uh, take take hope and encouragement and that, yeah, we're battling on different fronts, on different issues with ourselves. Mm-hmm. So the first guy comment is this, and thank you gentlemen for for giving us permission to share. We never say names. But brother helps brother in this ministry. And so guy number one says, man, I'm such a showman. I love talking and presenting and looking good. And I realize that has hindered me by being such a showman and always having to be on. It means that sometimes I'm not honest. Um, and I have to knock that off. I have to be more genuine, more honest, Sometimes I'm scared. Who am I if if I'm not the showman? Mm.
0: You know the uh, I, I love the admission of being scared. I can relate to that one a lot because you know when you when you um, when you begin to learn what it's going to take mm-hmm. to pursue greater integrity and and recover from old patterns and old ways. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's just be honest. It's a, that's a scary proposition. Even as enticing and as good and and hopeful as what's ahead might appear. Yeah. When you understand the steps you're going to need to take to move in that direction, you know, things like confession and disclosure, and it's a scary thing. I can relate to that fear.
1: Yeah. So, guy number two says, I don't... Just have a porn problem. I have a work problem. I overwork. And then I get stressed. And then I overeat. And then I'm unhappy. And so I use porn. And so I think I got like several layers Mm -hmm. of stuff going on that I've really not put together before.
0: So this is so common, I think, where guys... Uh, they come to our ministry or they come to our workshop and they're coming because they've got a particular problem that they right, want to address, yeah, right? Like, yeah, I'm looking at porn, or I'm having affairs on my wife or whatever. And it's amazing how when you kind of you crawl through that window of their lives of going, hey, this is the thing I want to work on, and all of a sudden it opens up into all other kinds of areas of yes. dysfunction and disorder. And I've often said it this way that – um God will crawl through the window of our sexual brokenness mm. so that we might open ourselves up to having him transform our whole our whole lives. Mm. So I know like for That's me, good. when I got into recovery for sexual addiction, it exposed what a terrible money manager I was. It exposed um. how, how bad I was in relationships, how um, inconsiderate I could be in work environments.
1: I mean, it just... The dominoes bunch. started yeah. falling in terms
0: was like, oh, so there's more to work on here than just my sexual addiction issue.
1: That's great. That's great insight. I, I can see the light bulbs going on in the class today out there. The students are going, Yeah, yeah. I saw that, and then I saw that, then when I saw that, I saw that. You well, know? and
0: and statistically, seventy-five to eighty percent of those who are classified as addicted to anything are typically have what they call a dual addiction Mm -hmm. meaning they almost have like an addictive personality so we see this sometimes too don't we when a guy hey he starts working on his porn problem he's not looking at porn anymore and now he's playing five hours of video games every day so he's almost like just transferred kind of the addictive over
1: to one guy said i don't like me i don't take care of me i take terrible care of myself and it's sad. And I think part of the way to start is by being sad about what I've done to me.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, that's good. And the idea of, you know, the idea of I don't like me, you know, we have to hit that head on, don't we? Because think about it this way, Stephen. If if you have a a value system that essentially believes lies about your worth— Hmm. How difficult does that make it to really pursue integrity with any kind of energy because what you're saying is, well, I'm not worth much to begin with. Why would I go through this process to try to get well
1: Oh, that's good so i
0: think I think he's got a good proper response of being able to go let me let me process the sadness of this. The sadness of my shame, the sadness of kind of my state of circumstances right now. I think, I think grief and sadness is a good emotion to 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 launch from in recovery Absolutely. because it kind of there's a it, it sort of puts things in perspective for you. But I think also it's a um, it's sort of a cleansing process to help you get to a new state of mind to grieve the things that are broken in your life.
1: I think it's a great place to start because you can't run away and escape and fantasize and distract, no, do your grief work. So one guy said, I have 30 days of sobriety, sexual sobriety, that's the longest day, that's the longest period I've ever been clean. But it sort of makes me sad at the same time because I see there's no depth in my marriage. We don't enjoy each other. We don't have deep dialogue. For the first time, after thirty days of being clean, I see how shallow Ooh, yeah. our relationship is.
0: Now, you and I, when back in the back in the day, as they say, right when when this ministry was really young and small, and um, and we were going out there and and really having good success in helping guys get off a of porn. We had maybe a false notion that, hey, listen, if you eradicate the the acting out problem, then relationships will improve and all this kind of stuff. And we started getting perplexing responses that we didn't expect from wives out there that were basically, you know, six, eight, nine months after their husbands have gotten into recovery and they're not looking at porn anymore. We're getting these angry responses. <laughs> what have you done to my husband? And we're like, what are you talking about? It's like, he's a, he's he's worse than now than he ever was. And we'd be like, well, so is he looking at porn? No. Well, what's the problem? Well, he's more of a jerk now that. And it's kind of like we started realizing, you know, in the AA community, they talk about somebody being a dry drunk. Yes. So the idea that the acting out behavior doesn't exist anymore but all of the underlying dysfunctional emotional problems and relational issues are still there yeah and so we what this guy is saying is I've gone 30 days without looking at porn and that's a first in my life never gone that long Mm. but oh my goodness removing that you know out of the way has now only exposed deeper deficiencies in my system when it comes to relating to my wife and...
1: That's so common and scary and it's just like, the more you overdo porn, the less, the, the more you stunt your own personal development and so now you gotta stop and look back, right? Yeah. This guy said, I'm afraid of who I am and I judge myself and I'd rather be hypersexual than slow down because I'm afraid that really I'm not fixable, I'm defective, there's something wrong with me, I can't slow down and look at me.
0: Well, you know what, uh, kind of a parallel to this or something that I think about alongside of this is I remember when I first started recovery, some of the fears that I had around entering recovery was was the idea that I really am ignorant to who I am. And the reason is is because I knew all of the secret Brokenness that was kind of behind my mask and my image that I would present to everybody else. So I had, I had this great polished image and that I, you know, people would ask me what I believe. I tell them certain things. Or so when I'm in church, I look like a rock star. And then when I'm at work, you know, I tell them certain things about what I want them to know about me. And, and you get to a point where you have told the, you've talked the image up so much that there's a true confusion between. Well, who, who am I? I? I know I'm doing all these secret things, and that's a reality of my being, but I have spoken things about and myself. And people believe
1: it, and I can and walk cheer you it into on. It. and yeah. th-
0: That I'm going, I really am confused about who I am.
1: Mm, that is good. I've never really heard it explained that well. Because you talk because your you, image yeah, so much. and you create it, and you work at it, and, and people believe it. And then they, even when you forget it, they sell it back to you because that's who you told them you were, right. right? It's like, you're the good guy, you're the good guy, you're the strong guy, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And
0: so then your sense of, of identity is really blurred. You don't Whoa. have a clue who you are. The other thing, too, is then when the mass starts coming down and start looking at that the reality of what's going on, there can also, I think, be a fear of, because I don't know who I am, I also don't know who I might become in this recovery process. Mm. Is that scary and or good? It's it's scary because if you have not had a strong sense of, of self because mm-hmm. of the dividedness in the addiction, then I know for me it was almost like, God, I want to live how you've designed me, but will I not be Jonathan anymore? Wow. In other words, is literally wow. everything about my history going to be erased, and now I've got to become some completely different personality?
1: It looks impossible. So and thankfully, and deep. just to put
0: some hope out there for the listeners and everything, thankfully, God showed me through recovery. He says, no, 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 I'm not going to eliminate your personality I'm going to rebuild it and such. I'm going to reform it. I'm going to recover it. I'm going to redeem it mm. so that you can actually be the fullest Jonathan you've ever been.
1: Yeah, that's So it's was like, good. okay, I can get on board with that. <laughs> I like that, you know. And you're looking at him now, yeah. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Here he is. That's great. One guy said, after the weekend, I started paying attention and I realized I have a huge fantasy life. So I like to escape, get in my head, get away, not be present, always planning to leave, waiting for the next time to leave. But he said, "I'm not connected to anyone."
0: Yeah, this is so common. The again, because we learn to isolate and disconnect in an addiction, right? So one of the things that that helped me, and you've even talked about this some in uh, in in some counseling. Practices and stuff is that it can be a helpful discipline to do certain behaviors that force you to enter this moment. So, for instance, mm-hmm. like when I, if I feel myself drifting or I'm like somehow I'm wandering in my mind, when let's say my wife is talking to me or something, one of the disciplines that I learned a long time ago was when I recognized that. In my mind, if I can't do it out loud, in my mind, start naming things in the room. Start naming words that she's saying. Start repeating things that she's mm-hmm. saying. So it's like I could just be sitting there and I'm going, okay, red tie and white shirt and Steven Cervantes. But it's
1: grounding you, It's right? bringing me right into, into this, this physical mo- moment here. This is right a now. huge technique tool here. Ground yourself in the moment, right? Because your yeah. brain wants to hijack you and go somewhere else. Why should I be here? Yeah,
0: and sometimes because because I've gotten to a certain point in in my relationship with my wife, I might need to actually say, "Can we stop for a second? Can you repeat what you just said?" Because I, I I'm sorry, I was my mind was wandering. I want to bring I want to come right back into this moment. That's now, good. many many years ago, that could have been highly offensive or whatever, but now it's like okay, there's a there's a respect there that says. Oh, well, I, yeah, I want you to be in this moment. Yeah, yeah. So thank you. You've yeah. come back to me. <laughs> yeah, <you know>, so. <laughs> that's
1: good. One guy said this, and he said it almost like in a statement of awe. I caught myself trying to escape. I caught myself. I, I saw myself for the first time. I caught me. You know, isn't that great? That's good, yeah. Because you can't be working on growth. Either you're escaping, 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 or you're starting to catch yourself you want to escape right now, don't you? Don't be escaping. Hold a moment. And
0: and this is another thing to think about uh, in terms of techniques and stuff. Is um, and by the way, this is biblical. So don't don't send me nasty emails about this being much a bunch of psycho babble or whatever. There is a a real need for healthy self talk, mm-hmm. and the reason it's I can say it's biblical is because just read the Psalms. David especially, there's a lot of soul. Oh, my soul, why are you so downcast with him? He's talking to himself. He's oh, talking to good, his yeah. own soul. So good. the idea is here when you're talking about the idea of catching yourself, hey, we, st- we know our patterns, right? We know our drifts. And, and the more you can pay attention to that, yes. then you can arrest your soul and you can go, whoa, soul, mind, you're wanting to go in that direction. No, no, no. We're going to move in a different direction. And that's healthy self-talk.
1: Yeah, that's good. This guy said, "I'm practicing more sadness, and i'm finding it's a great counterweight to fantasy. Mm. If I can own my life and the sadness of my life and what I've wasted and and you know the money I've spent, the years what i've built if I can remind myself of the sadness." It's hard to go escape into fantasy and pretend that's good.
0: Yeah, I think and I think there's a um, I think there's a degree to which that can be helpful. I would give a word of caution in going so far into one's sadness that then it turns into shame. And what I mean by that is Yes, I get it. I've even I even did exercises like this early in my recovery where it's like count the cost, right? Yes. Look absolutely, at look at all yeah. the things that have been look at the things that have been lost. Look at the things that have potential to be lost and and be sober minded about the effects, the consequences of your actions. And that, that was a good exercise in terms of just starting to give me clearer pictures of the, the relationship between, hey, a man reaps what he sows, right? There's a there's a sowing and reaping principle mm-hmm. here. But I also had to guard against the, the temptation that that had to go so far down that that now I'm just in a penance state. Like now I'm in a self-loathing, I'm going to whip myself and now say, yeah, see, look at how bad I am, and look at how... Yeah. And you, so you have to be careful of going too far in that. There's a line at which I think you say, I'm being sober-minded here. I am looking at the cost. There's real consequences yes. to my behavior. And I think
1: that's what he was saying. Yeah. It's checking me for the first time. And it's
0: good to grieve that. The way I would put the language Absolutely. around that when he s- says sadness is, let's grieve the cost here. Let's grieve yeah. the consequences. That's Right.
1: And it counters the the one, the want will to fantasize and escape. It's like, own, count the cost and own your life. This guy said, I started taking meds. I never thought I would. But he said, there's so much stress. There's so much conflict. I'm in such a bad place. I'm going to try to use some medication to at least stabilize. Mm-hmm. And, and early on, I thought, eh, using medication, that's for weak people. But then I saw people struggling just miserably, and I thought, if some medication can help you use some medication, yeah. you know sometimes your biology's just off, and you just if we could get a leveling out experience, that would be great, you know yeah, and
0: my and my stance on that, and the way i mean I was on Prozac for six months in the first you know part of my recovery, and a lot of it was just i I was depressed, I had suicidal tendencies, that kind of stuff, and so this the medication was helpful in terms of just kind of lifting the biology, so to speak. So it's like, because to me it felt like a a cloud. And so it's like, okay, the cloud got lifted a a little bit so that I could see a little more clearly. What I often say, though, is um, yes, medication can be helpful because there can be biological uh, blocks that are happening there. But what we want to be careful of is is we don't look to the medication as the be-all, end-all. So it's mm-hmm. like, Hey, let's use what's available to us to help us, but let's go on a journey of really trying to say what, what needs to shift at a paradigm level in terms of my thinking and my behaving and my relating. And so can medication help me? Maybe for a season, uh, maybe certain aspects, it does need to be ongoing, but maybe for some, it's just a season.
1: Right. Yep. Good. One guy said, I travel a lot and, and, it's stressful, and there's temptations out there. He said, "I use your podcasts for strength." Mm. Isn't that great? That's awesome. Yeah, I listen to your podcasts to ground me, and so I can keep working on growth and going forward. And so, well, and that's why Lord we do what we you. do, is because
0: it's like we know that um, it can be very lonely out there. We, we, I mean, there's a lot of people that they struggle to even find you know, a good group or find some people that are really wanting to walk alongside them. And so we're glad that we can, you know, sort of step into your living room, so to speak, and hopefully be a voice that can give you encouragement and insight and, and help along the way. Um, So that blesses us.
1: Thank you. Yes. So, so one guy said, I really have a history of lying and sneaking and using and, and being unfaithful. But something's changing and I'm getting tired of that life. And now I'm a, I'm a man on a mission of integrity. Mm. I know I'll fall down, but I'll get back up because now I'm on a mission where I was just slipping and sliding, going somewhere. I now have a mission.
0: Well, what I love about that, and this is something that we talk about a lot in our miss, in our ministry is getting a, getting a clear understanding of what you are aiming for. I think a lot of people, a lot of guys especially, they come to the workshop or they enter a group or they get into counseling and their initial mindset is what they're trying to get away from, mm. right? Yep. That's not a mission though.
1: No, it's not.
0: A mission to stop is not a mission. That's like a mission up for a vacuum. <laughs> but nature mm-hmm. abhors a vacuum, right? At some point, you've got to be for something. What are you filling your life with? What are you pursuing? And so I think it's important to get on a mission where he's talking about, I'm on a mission for integrity, right? Mm-hmm. What does it look like to pursue greater integrity and, and, uh, and goodness? And I want to be for something rather than just be against the mm-hmm. negative.
1: That's good. This guy said, I've been out of control all my life. And he said, for the first time, I'm really taking a good look at the issue of control. Mm-hmm. And can I be in control? Can I control me? Can I have control? And just the idea of thinking about that opens the topic up. Yeah. You know?
0: Now he won't like my answer.
1: Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: now what I mean by that is is uh, no, I, I think it's good to think that because the idea of hey I've I've tried to be in control and I've been out of control and so what does control look like? Um, I would say where where I would want to gently then nudge this man is to say the better question to ask is what does surrender look mm. like to God and to his word and to his Holy Spirit? Mm. Because the thing is we're told that self-control mm. is a fruit of the Spirit. So this is not something that I can then say, I'm going to choose. I mean, like it's all on me. Self-control is about me pulling my bootstraps up and doing this on my own. It's no, it's saying, how can I better respond? to the effect of the Spirit of God in my life so that he can produce self-control in my life. Mm. Now, I've just jumped from an early stage that this man has talked about to, I think, a very later stage mature thinking. But we want to cast that vision, right? right, that says, okay, good, you're thinking about control, you're thinking about these things in your life. Now start reframing it into, okay, what does greater surrender Mm. to the Spirit of God, the only one that it can actually produce self-control that's pleasing to God in my life. How do I increase surrender to Him?
1: The next guy said, I know stress, and I know how to battle myself. I don't know how to rest. Mm. My new goal is to rest.
0: Okay, this is probably for the last five years, Stephen. (laughs) Yeah. This has been like a key boulder that God has been continuing oh. to, to help me want to move my life. Cause, um, you know, I'm in my mid forties now. Uh, this is a time where, you know, we typically think of it as like kind of hitting the the peak performance levels of whatever industry you're in. And, and by some, they consider me an expert in this field or whatever. And so I'm, I'm feeling just the increased pressures and demands of of speaking and doing all these kinds of things. Meaning and, the last, and, you mean in the last, the last period, five years, yeah. Really and all my kids are launching off into oh, adulthood now. Just oh. so from all angles, there's this increased sense of, you know, you're hitting your stride in life, right? Well at the same time, then it it often translates to me as I, I'm man, I'm 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 hitting the The pit. I need a pit stop. You know, it's like I feel like I've blown a tire or something. I'm racing the
1: track. (laughs) I need to pull in for a. So I feel like what
0: God has been doing consistently is bringing me back to this word of rest and peace. And how do you keep margin even in the, even in the stride of life? You know, and so I I can identify with this. That was good. And you and I've talked about this. If we if we if we ever, I think if either one of us was ever forced to put a super fine point on. What is the ultimate
1: goal of recovery? Yes. It's peace, right? It's
0: rest. Absolutely.
1: I, I saw that early on, such conflict and turmoil. I remember doing a group and asking the elders in our church, could you come and teach us about rest? because i hope you guys know it yeah yeah <laughs> because strugglers don't know it you know yeah it's like man this is the one thing that's missing we don't know how to rest be at peace with ourselves and god and others around us you know
0: and i think that's a good place to land the plane on this one is is just uh listeners just what does it look like for you wherever you are in your recovery or growth journey to just pursue greater rest. I mean, we've talked about all these various things in terms of recognizing that sometimes it's more than just the addiction that we're coming in with. And then the idea that maybe we've eliminated some acting out behaviors, but man, now there's some emotional work to do, but what does it look like for you to take a next step intentionally towards greater Mm. rest? And we'd love to hear from you. If you want more help from us, that's what we're here for. So you can reach out to us at puresexradio.com or connect with us on Twitter at puresexradio. And until next time, we hope you have a great uh, day, great week. And we look forward to seeing you back here again on the Pure Sex Radio broadcast. God bless. Pure Sex Radio is paid for
1: by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.